human hell. The dead will walk here. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Thanks for tuning in to Body Count, the podcast for theblackesteyes.com. My name's Philip, and on the line with me here, we have Scott and Danny. And we like horror movies, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're glad you're with us, and we hope you enjoy the time together. Scott and Danny, how you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, doing, doing wonderfully to that. Oh, good. Well, let's jump into it. Tonight, we're going to talk about a 2014 Austrian horror movie called Goodnight Mommy. And um, there are so many different aspects of this film that we could discuss. I think it's, we could really be on the line for a couple of hours talking about the movie. Um, but maybe the very best thing to do, first thing to do, is just to give a general impression. Uh, you know, we don't really usually do stars like four out of five, five out of five, or things like that. But maybe we could just get a general impression. What did you think about the movie? Did you like it? Um, you know, did it, did it shock you? Did it scare you? What are just some general thoughts? Scott, let's start with you. What do you think about Goodnight Mom? Yeah, I, I don't know if I could tell you how many stars I'd give it, but I'd definitely give it two thumbs up. How about that? I definitely, okay. It was two thumbs up. Um, I, uh, I like uh, foreign films and foreign horror films, and so I was kind of intrigued when I saw the preview for this one. And I'm always, you know, what, what made me a little reticent is I'm always a little bit I'm hesitant to watch horror films where children are central. I don't know why. It's just, just you know, where where young children are always central. Sometimes it's just a, a, a sensitive spot for me. But um, I was enthralled, so I definitely give this one a go. What about you, Danny? Yeah, I agree with Scott. And the uh, the films, the horror films with children, are ones that i sometimes try to avoid especially you know since i've started a family but uh this one really appealed to me and uh, i'm a big fan of funny games uh and this one had a tone that reminded me a lot of that and they sort of distant the acting the sort of unemotional and distant no matter what was happening and you know that really reminded me of the uh funny games and Overall, just really enjoyed the experience. Well, enjoyed is probably the wrong word. I found it very affecting. Yeah, I think that's the way that I would describe it. Is it's hard to say that this is the kind of movie that you like watching. You know, we like horror films. So on the one hand, I guess you can say we we like the film. It certainly captivated me and kept me glued to the screen, even though I wanted to look away many, many, many times. Um, was there even a soundtrack to this movie? I mean, did, was there music at all, you know, in the film? If there was, it was minimal. Uh, some of the scenes seemed to draw out. It wasn't a fast-paced movie. Mm-mm. You know, you could list all these things where you would say, man, this sounds like really the worst movie ever. <laughs> but but really, it was it, it just was so unbelievably disturbing. Um, so let's talk about why. Why was it... Why was this movie disturbing? Well, who wants to give a synopsis? You know, maybe well, let's just go ahead and do spoiler alerts. There's no way to talk about Goodnight Mommy without getting into some of the spoilers and some of the specifics and what's a, just an incredible ending to the film. So, you know, if you want to see it and you don't want to be uh, let in on the details, then turn off your podcasting equipment because um, we're going to talk about spoilers. Who wants to give a synopsis? Either one of you guys want to roll down the just the basic premise of the movie for us. Okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot here. 
the the film opens with um, a mother returning home to her two identical twin sons uh, after having an apparent uh, plastic surgery. So her face is is covered in bandages, um, and immediately she starts acting in a way that uh, the the sons and the audience are feel is not the way the mother would behave. The mother that went away, you know, before the movie started. Um, she doesn't seem to be very loving towards her sons. She's not very emotional. And when she is emotional, she's angry, uh, and seems to be favoring one child over the other. Um, so as the children get more suspicious, they are, they seem to believe that there, someone has replaced their mother that this woman is an imposter, possibly an imposter that they have seen in photo albums uh, of someone who looks like a twin sister. Uh, and they're twins, and you know, there's a hint that the mom has been a twin. Um, and that I actually came in this movie. I'll break up the synopsis to say I came in completely cold. I didn't know there was any kind of twist. I wasn't expecting anything. Um, at no point did I see coming or. Even you know, even thinking that wow, something's going to turn a corner here. Uh, but that a corner does get turned as uh, later in the movie we learn that one of the twins is actually uh, dead, right? and the uh, other twin is just imagining his presence. So, and just like uh, something like the Seventh Sense, this causes you to rethink the whole movie from beginning to end, and you know, wonder about what you saw and whether he really pulled it off. And I haven't rewatched it yet to see if. Uh, if he played fair, if the director, or it's not he, it's a, a, a man and a woman that directed it. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he did play fair. I haven't rewatched the film. Uh, but uh, it all ends in uh, some pretty amazing uh, graphic uh, and distressing violence uh, um, in much the same way as uh, a lot of the underground horror films recently, the real you know, disturbing horror films have uh, I I guess that's it that's my synopsis I may have left out something important but I don't think so yeah no that's great and I think that one of the things that hey Scott it's interesting because when we podcasted about our favorite anthologies one of mine was Tales from the Crypt where I talked about it was this bunch of dead people and they didn't realize they were dead yeah and the Crypt Keeper was telling them, you're dead, and here's how you died. And then we referenced the Seventh Sense, or whatever, not the Sixth Sense, um, in that podcast as well. This is not the same thing, but it's still similar, that we've got mm-hmm. a dead person, and we don't realize that the person is, of course, dead. So let's let's start from the beginning here. There's a couple of things about the movie that... As I'm watching it, I'm just saying to myself, and I, you don't get caught up in this because it's just so well done, but I'm saying to myself, this, this, you know, come on, man. Wouldn't you all be able to know someone you're that close with by their hands, by their feet, just by their body structure, the tone of their voice? I mean, it, it seems as if you think as you're watching the movie at the beginning, you're thinking, why wouldn't they be able to know that much of her face, even though there was, you know, there was bandages, you could still begin to see throughout the movie plenty of her face. And then eventually she takes it all the way off. Where did either of you all have those thoughts? Like, you know, 
are they really that confused as to whether or not this is their mom? Yeah, I thought that for uh, a few times, you know, that you would a child would recognize his mom, you know, pretty well by her mannerisms and and her voice and and so on. But she was act she was acting kind of distant. She was acting kind of strange. There were there were clues. And you remember when they were playing the game where you had to guess what it said on the post-it note that was stuck on their forehead. And, and mm-hmm. so forth. I mean, there were just moments where she, they didn't really seem to know each other very well, and or she couldn't guess what they were thinking, and and I don't know. I thought it, I thought it gave some some pretty good laid some pretty good groundwork to make it somewhat plausible. But I yeah, I thought for for a moment a child's going to know his mother by her 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 silhouette and her voice, and but um, I don't know. I think they pulled it off. But let's take that scene as an example, okay? When you're watching that scene where they're playing the game, as you're as you're watching it, you're thinking, "This is really creepy." That may not be their mom, <laughs> yeah. and you're, assu- you're you're assuming that that there's two boys sitting there, mm-hmm. right? right. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, we realize, yes, this. This well, I mean, I guess we need to talk about the interpretation of the ending. I, you know, I'm assuming, from my perspective, yeah, it was the mom. It was the mom all along. So why doesn't she just answer the stinking question? Th- that's where I'm getting back to Danny's. Is that the director playing fair? If they're playing the game, she says you like animals. If that's really the mom, why doesn't she say, "Hey, you're talking about me"? Any any ideas there? I I, I think that there's some question about what act. Even with the twist, there's some question about what actually is going on. That mother is still acting very strange. There's a birthmark she apparently doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say there's a, obviously a mole that ends up being fake. Uh, she says that you know they removed that during the plastic surgery. Why did she go off for plastic surgery? I know she's like a television personality, but. Uh, her, her post-plastic surgery face looks exactly like her pictures. What what right. exactly happened to her face? Uh, well, you know, I wondered if, because she says, you know, there was an accident. It wasn't your, your fault mm-hmm. that your brother died in the accident. I kind of wondered, was she part of the accident and that, that required you, surgery? You don't think the accident was uh, the swim, he died in the uh, lake at the beginning and that opening montage of them doing things? You know, he's laying there on the float, and he's—is it—is is it the one that's dead that is oh, under the? Oh, no. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, maybe that's right. Yeah, no, I, no, I hadn't really thought about that. Well, you know, the, yeah, when they're when they're playing, and and I think Lucas isn't Lucas the one who was dead. Um, yes. I think Lucas, because the other boy was saying Lucas, Lucas, and there was that one part where he was lying on a raft. And in the lake, and he was, and he couldn't find Lucas. And I wondered if that was a clue that maybe he had the boy had drowned. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great thought. You know, and in that opening scene, I don't. It's always, isn't it? It's always Elias yelling Mm -hmm. for Lucas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And and it's always Elias doing whatever needs to be done. But even with that, okay. Well, let's just okay. Let's let's just jump straight to the end, and then we'll fill in. So. Danny, are you are you saying that you're still not sure? <laughs> I mean, are you where, where would you come down? This is the mom, or it wasn't the mom? What, for, what do you think? Uh, if, you know, if in a situation where you put a gun to my head, I'd say it was the mom. But I'm just saying that there's 
it, there's still some oddities in that with uh, how she is does seem to be different than she was. Who is the woman in the photograph? She says it's a friend of hers, but who who French, has a friend yeah. that looks exactly like them? They're not just <laughs> they're not just dressed alike. That's the same woman, and but yeah, it's two of the same person. Uh, yeah, and they dress dress alike yeah, and that kind yeah, of thing. Uh, and she had twins, right? You know, twins run in families. So I mean, I just think that I just think it's odd that uh, I don't think it's a a surefire thing. And I also really liked uh, the misdirection the director was doing. I thought for sure that the that if there was any kind of twist coming, it was that uh, the two brothers were pretending to be the opposite one, which was why they kept knowing that it wasn't the mother. But she would say, did you all get that feeling? Well, I'll tell you what I got. It was a little bit different than that. But one of the things that I kept noticing is that the mom never got – Elias's name wrong. So they were so identical that if that wasn't really the mom, I, I was thinking, man, wouldn't she be struggling? Because she never calls Elias Lucas. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was thinking is maybe she was the whole time calling them the wrong names because they were you know, playing that, doing that thing that twins do where one pretends to be the other one. Right. So I thought that twist was maybe coming because they do remember they cut they cut the one's hair so they both look alike. Yeah. Uh, we uh, I, I will say right from this the start here that that is not fair. Lots of things happened where the only audience is us and there would be no reason for us to think that the one was a ghost. Someone getting his haircut was a ghost. Right? Uh, that's a little different from the, the six cents trickery, right? Where all that stuff, if you go back and watch it could, you know, you could understand what was going on in this case. It's a, that's a little unfair for all this stuff to happen in a way that it clearly couldn't happen. We were seeing his delusion the whole time. Yeah. In situations maybe where we, you know, shouldn't have seen it. Well, the, the film was definitely narrated through the lens of Elias. Right. right. And, and mm-hmm. so we're seeing, he's not a, he's not a truthful, his perspective is not truthful. That's the, that's what screws up the movie from the very beginning. He's the traditional you know? horror, unreliable narrator, even though he's not really a narrator in this case. Right? But he's the unreliable point of view shot. Right, right. Scott, say something, man. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about the what, what do you think about the ending, man? Is that is that the mom or no? Yeah, I th- I think it's the mom. I wasn't convinced until um, until that moment though when she when she. She sort of – I thought she was sort of some kind of a cruel imposter. I thought that was a possibility until the very end when she when she thinks she's going to die and she, or she realizes that, uh-oh, you know, she's glued to the floor and Elias is going to light the curtains on fire and they're all, all going to die. And when she just simply speaks to him directly and says, it wasn't your fault, I, at that moment, I, that's what a mom would do. I thought that was very maternal, and, and so at that moment, I felt it was really her. So, but the question still remains because I want to go back. I want to go back again to what started this kind of conversation, which was that game they were playing. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's say it was the mom. Then, then the question remains: Why didn't she just say it's me? If it's not the mom, it's obvious what the the boys are doing. You like animals. You have two kids. Mm-hmm. I, anybody who has a brain is going to say, oh, you're talking about me, your mom. 
But instead, she does this awkward stare into space. Um, how am I supposed to know who you're talking about? Like, is that just to make the film creepy? Well, or is there something going on? To be there? fair, uh, I haven't gone back to watch the scene. Is it the dead kid talking? Maybe she's not hearing part oh. of what's being said, so there's no way for her to guess. That actually might very well be what it is. I, I, I don't really the problem was with seeing it one time. I think Lucas was talking because, don't you or Elias, right? Elias was talking. Lucas, the dead boy, was whispering to his brother. Well, that's right, what I, and that's what kind of what happened throughout the we film. Yeah. The mom is mad at Lucas, and she won't pay any attention to mm-hmm. him. And stuff. Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. So, yeah, that scene remains weird. Why would she not answer the question? Yeah, and then you can just you know extrapolate that on throughout. Why does she all of a sudden, when she knows she's getting ready to get burned alive, start showing compassion? Hey, man, it wasn't your fault. How about doing that? You know, a week ago. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff. Who killed the cat? Well, we don't know. That's right. Uh, they, they blame why, mom. Why is the house on the market? She's got, um, you know, and she's got dating videos she's making. I know there's, you know, there's with the house on the market and the seeming there's been an accident. Maybe there's been insurance. If an imposter would come in to get the money, it makes sense, right? So I think there's a lot of cool parts there to keep you from thinking about uh, what was really going on until it was revealed. Well, maybe, if a fam. If a family loses a child in an accident, it seems like it would make some sense for them to move. That's true. So, so for it being on the market, yeah. And there's no, you think there's been a, the father's left because of the accident, so it's just. Well, it's not uncommon, you know, for for marriages to break up when a child dies. Mm Mm-hmm. The dad's mentioned just in passing, I think, once in the movie. Yeah. um, I think they refer to a separation. So there's one of two ways you could look at this. You could say it like Danny just did, that it's it's some beautiful, masterful misdirection to keep you guessing until the end. On the other hand, I could see someone making a legitimate claim that says, man, this is garbage. You know, there's no explanation at all as to why the mom's being whacked out, who killed the stupid cat, what happened with – you know, there's no – it doesn't really ever come together to make sense. It just leaves you wondering, oh, I wonder what actually was going on. You know, I could see people thinking one of two ways. This is either really, really good or it's just kind of a hodgepodge of mystery that that never really answers any of its questions. Right. I was actually thinking, you know, would I teach this in class? Like I said, it reminds me of Funny Games, a film that I teach regularly in my uh, international film course. Uh, But I think students would have a very similar reaction to what they have to Funny Games. They would find the character's emotion to be unrealistic hmm. that they're, they're they're people are going through this this is an awful thing regardless uh, even if it's real twins right at awful thing is awful things are going on but no one seems to really have enough emotion for what's happening the kids are s- strangely calm no matter what's going on mm-hmm. while they're torturing their mom you know while they think their mom is fake and is going to you know maybe try to kill them or something or um, there's never quite the kind of uh, motion that we would that feels truthful to me a realistic what do you think scott mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, no i i hear you um i it, it it i just took it as the mom was um she was suffering, right? Her, I mean, once I started to put it together at the end, I'm thinking, okay, here's a grieving mother 
who has a grieving son who keeps pretending that the dead child is alive and her her way of her sort of defense mechanism is to sort of get mad at him you know quit playing quit talking to your brother don't talk to your brother or you know when he says you didn't you didn't feed uh, you didn't feed Lucas well let him ask ask me himself it did make a little sense to me toward once I realized that the oh she's she's a grieving mother she's kind of trying to convince her son to stop living in this pretend world and then she says at the very end when all everything's hitting the fan she says okay I'll play along again you know we'll, we'll, we'll you know alluding to this right. idea that maybe she had once kind of gone along with it but now she was trying to move on yeah, because when she says, you know, let him ask me himself, mm-hmm. and then nothing happens, I was sitting there thinking, well, just ask for dinner. Right. I mean, what's, <laughs> what's the big deal? I mean, that's how I would do as, as, a, as a parent. Yeah. I mean, if my, if my, I wouldn't let my daughter be the one to talk for my son. He needs to talk for himself, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, Not that I would let him go to bed without food, right. but you know what I mean. It, just ask for the dinner yeah. then. And, so, she, and she yeah. said, you know why I'm not talking to him or something to that effect. And at that point, I'm thinking, is this kid somehow responsible for the dad leaving? For why there's no father? Uh, has she has he done something that's you know, maybe the father's died or something? And um, it's really uh, again, I, I think it is really nice misdirection. And I think Scott's probably right that when you re-examine it from the beginning, it'll have more emotional truth than it seemed to me to have at the you know as it was going on. But you know what I'll tell you, I like one thing the directors did, and that is that they didn't go back. I mean, you could go either way because some people, like in The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. you remember once he starts figuring out, he goes back and he re-shows you the scenes to help the viewer understand, oh, actually nobody was seeing them, you know. But but they don't do that. They don't, they don't take that explanation. They just kind of – you either caught it or you didn't. Yeah. Or you have to go. You have to go back and rewatch it. And I, to me, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, that was a lame cop out on Shyamalan's part. So that that should have been our sign that things were going to go bad after that. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> that film did not need that. That film needed that stuff no. to be rediscovered on a rewatching. So this is clearly the correct way to do it, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think it would have been a little cheap to just kind of go back and you know connect all the dots. We you know I was connecting those dots in my mind already. Right for just to stay with the what in the world's going on is is nobody freaked out that that no one's staying with these kids while their mom is having you know reconstructive surgery or whatever. <laughs> that is a good point. It, I mean, right from the beginning, it's like what's going on here? Especially since we now know that Elias was by himself, <laughs> <laughs> which makes no sense. So, you know, there's no answer for that. No, it's just it's just really weird. Um, just some other things that I jotted down as, uh, as scenes where I was just like, what? Like the whacked out walking in the woods naked and then all of a sudden the, the demonic possession head spinning thing. Yeah. Like what was going on there, man? And that was – That's pretty – Were you assuming that was a that's dream? That's a pretty good dream sequence actually. I, I enjoyed that. The but film didn't have very many straight horror moments, but that was one really good one. That that was really a good horror moment, and but one of the things that I thought was interesting is that both the boys woke up at the same time, right? And like they were both having that dream. Oh, that might have been a clue to us. I, right? I started to say, right? Oh. Another another place where he played fair with us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Um, the roach going in her mouth. Ah. Uh, just, I mean, that was just really disgusting. And a stump. And did, did did that happen? I mean, was that a dream, or did that did he actually do that? I'm assuming that was a dream sequence too, right? I mean, she was cut open at one point, and there's roaches. Yeah. Roaches. Yeah, obviously yeah. that was dream. Yeah. But but I guess maybe the roach going in the mouth was also, you know, fantasy or dream or whatever. Um, I think so. Did you get, and then just the, go well, ahead. did you guys see the trailer for this? Um. Because, you know, there is that scene where the roach goes in the mouth. But do you remember there's another part where he comes into the room to see if she's awake. She's pretending to be asleep. And she's actually sneaking some kind of food or something. She's eating some kind of cracker underneath the blanket. Mm -hmm. Did you catch all Mm -hmm. Well, those two scenes in the trailer were kind of set alongside each other so that you see the roach going in the mouth. And then the next moment is her crunching. Ah, yeah, but, but but they separated. It's not it's not like that in the actual film. I don't know. It just was kind of a strange thing. Why is she in the room sneaking snacks? I, that, no, another bizarre thing that doesn't give. There's no explanation for. Uh, no, there's not. But you know, I, in in my parental fell that I do all the time, and I was as I was watching that, trying to figure out what is she doing, mm-hmm. it occurred to me. You know, sometimes I would like to kind of just pretend like I'm asleep and not have to worry about my kids. <laughs> so, I mean, if she again, if she, who knows what the impact of losing a child does to a parent? Right. You, you just, you just don't. And know. also, sometimes Phil, Philip would not want to share his Mykonox. Correct, or my Swedish fish, right. and you just, you know, you, uh, you got to do what you got to do. Let's talk about the house for a minute. I always think houses in horror movies are, are very important, and obviously you can think of classic haunted house houses, Amityville Horror, The Shining, so on and so forth, even though that was a hotel, but you know what I mean. Do, do you find anything in particular or anything important about the house, a really contemporary kind of a lot of edges, a lot of strange turns and corners and almost sterile and it, does that add or take away or detract or mean anything you think i actually got a little fascinated by the house because i think uh at it, it was the film was following a, you know a few horror film tropes obviously uh it had the the mad woman in the attic trope going Mm -hmm. and that's usually a haunted house thing right it's a gothic mansion kind of thing so uh here's it replaced by this modern uh austrian home it's got those cool hanging plexiglass sphere chairs and um and i and i think there was a real lack of sense of the geometry of the house the architecture i'm not quite sure how that house was laid out uh i think there's a, a little bit of a you know of that non-Euclidean geometry thing that you know, cosmic horror has where you're not really ever quite sure of the space. And again, that might've been me because I did kind of get thinking about the house as I was watching the movie. Well, I, what do you think? Scott? Yeah. I thought the house was a, a key figure, not just the house, but the setting, you know, where the house is surrounded by this beautiful natural uh, area. And there's a lake and trees and lots of grass. But in the house, what creeped me out was the choice of artwork they had hanging on the walls. Did you do you remember those where there's yeah. like these life size women that were kind of blurry and that was kind of 
that yeah, that freaks me out. You can't see the faces, and it you know matches the. Mm-hmm. We're unsure about the face of the woman, and yeah, that mm-hmm. was really. Who has that kind of thing hanging in their house? <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't there one that looks like her? The person's arm was up, like ready to stab somebody or something. You know, like in the den area, just a really weird silhouette. Yeah, and it was know. and it was huge. It was this huge silhouette where you couldn't see the face, and uh, yeah, uh, and obviously that was reinforcing the themes of the movie, but. All right, so here's my here, here's a theory for you. Uh, maybe not theory, but an observation. I think that uh, this film may not take place in the real world. Mm. I'm not 100% sure that we are supposed to suspend our disbelief for this film. I think maybe that, like Funny Games, this film takes place in a film world. Hmm. There, There is... A real sense of, and again, maybe I, like Scott said, I may be misreading the uh, the emotions of the characters, but I feel like there was a, something unreal about the setting, the behavior. Why were those mm. kids allowed to be by themselves out in the you know swimming in a lake away from the house and bouncing on those weird bouncy mud flats? And I mean, there was it was like the there were feral kids that were just let to run wild, you know. Which I know Europe's not as you know helicopter parody as we are apparently, uh, and I don't know. I just like I said, I don't think the ha- the house was more like a movie house. No one hangs those kind of photos. Uh, it's it's like it was set by the director. Right? The director said, "All right, I got these themes, so this is the stuff that matches those themes." This is something I think happens in a a film that we're going to talk about soon. Also, uh, uh, Lord have mercy, I suddenly can't remember the film uh, name. Uh, it follows. Yeah, it follows. Uh, does that same thing. There's very filmy things in that. There's technology that doesn't exist in the real world, but they're using older technology also that no one would have in their house, like tube televisions and uh, little stuff like that that doesn't you know, sort of get you away from the reality of it. I don't know. I, I, I feel like this film is kind of a study of of horror film or our attitude towards things in a way that funny games was. And again, it's the same. There's, you know, quotes that they were inspired by the director that I said, Heineke, the funny games guy. It's probably Mm. pronouncing it completely wrong. Uh, So that may be, again, I may be making those connections incorrectly and I will need to watch the film again to be sure. But there's something about this that felt a little bit off from reality for me. Yeah, I agree. There, there, there were enough things that don't quite add up that this, you know, could is a little bit fantastical. Yeah, you know, I think that another part of the movie that that I just loved is just to it just did so well. Was you start off? I mean, this is obvious, but it, it's just so amazing how well they did this. You start off, and you are. At least for me, you're a hundred percent behind the boys, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. she looks, she's weird, she's scary, she's acting strange, she's being kind of cruel, and you're like, man, these kids either need to get out of here, or you know, they need to find out where their mom is, or whatever. And then as the movie goes along, there's just, it's not a, it's not like a door opens and shuts, and now you're on the other side. This is what's so neat about it for me. It's just a real gradual shift until all of a sudden now you're rooting for the mom and you don't even realize you got there until you're there 
And that, that's that's maybe the most powerful part of the film to me is you're so behind the boys, and then at the end of the movie, you're 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 just terrified for this mom, and you don't you can't even you're not even sure how you got there. You know what I mean? Oh, I I know exactly what you mean, and I can identify the moment <laughs> when I when I sort of had the switch over when they when they glue her lips shut. You know, when they glue her, I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's a level of of cruelty there that I just totally didn't expect. But there's also such tenderness when he attempts to, uh, and carefulness when he attempts to cut it back open later. And then, and yeah, but it gets all kind of bloody, and it gets it gets really really go very well. It does not. (laughs) (laughs) That scene is entirely too long. Yeah. And he is very careful, it seems, not to harm mm. her until he mm. harms her. Yeah. Yeah, it, that just struck me. So I was like, oh, well, you know what? She's making noise. Let's glue her mouth shut. <laughs> I don't know. That, that just that, that made me kind of turn pretty quickly that, oh, this woman is being, is being tortured. That's a good time to segue into this. Uh, when I was looking at uh, reviews after I watched it, because obviously I didn't want to spoil anything before I watched it, uh, there's, uh, I mean, I think uh, about half the uh, reviews give it the kind of respect we're giving it, and you know, some of them really, you know, really great reviews, and about half of them uh, treated it like torture porn. Mm. They they put it in with Saw and these these other films. Uh, what do you think about that? Does the violence get? I mean, that is an, one of the most terrifically graphic and effective death scenes that ends this movie. I think mm-hmm. the most disturbing things in any film is when you have to watch someone burn to death, and yeah. that camera does not leave her. Uh, eventually, mm-hmm. you sort of watches the cat burn, but. Uh, we, uh, she's screaming at the top of her lungs and is on fire and it is absolutely, I mean, it's a terrifying image. What are we supposed to make of that? I mean, why, why was it so graphic? Why is that last bit from the time the lips get bloodied to the end? Did we need that kind of just extreme gore to tell the story they were telling? You know, for me personally, anytime I see a burning scene, um, execution, whatever in film, it's always difficult for me in part because um, so many heroes of the faith I'm – I'm a pastor uh, – so many heroes of the faith were burned alive mm. for uh, their faith, that, and that actually happened. And of course, we know that's happening all over the world today, not only through ISIS, but because of just uh, Christian persecution. So when I see that, it, I – I think, you know, all of the saw – first of all, let me answer your question. I completely disagree. That's just me. I don't think this is torture porn at all. I don't put it in the same category as saw because I find this much more disturbing than I find a saw because saw is so over the top. It's exactly – that's why they call it tor- torture porn. Is so animated. It's so over the top. It's so unbelievable. It's just can you keep watching or are you going to get grossed out? Whereas this – hit a psychological, emotional, and even spiritual nerve. I mean, there is a religious element to the film. Um, the, the way that Elias tries to distance himself from the horror of the home is by consulting a priest, in which the priest drives him directly back to, quote-unquote, Satan. And I, that's a part we haven't even touched on, yeah. that I think is very important in the film. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot some, about some, that scene. There's some more religious imagery in the film, too. Uh, uh, 
the there's a, a, definitely a cross at one point. Uh, I can't remember. There's something else that jumped out at me there. You may have taken note of it, but yeah, I, I believe there is a religious element there. Well, even as they're when they're doing things to the mom and whatever, they try to set it up in such a way that feels somewhat spiritual using candles. It looks like a not a seance, but it has some kind of atmospheric spiritual vibe going on to it. Like a ritual. Yeah, she's definitely yeah. obviously in the the cross pose there when she's tied mm-hmm. to the bed mm-hmm. with the arms straight out and the legs tied together at mm-hmm. ankles. But I'd be interested, Scott, to hear your you know torture porn versus not position. Yeah, I I didn't think I wouldn't put it in the same category as say Saw or Hostel or some of those others for the same reason that you put that you said that you know I. I there were there were moments where I thought the the violence and was graphic and it was shocking, but there was a lot more emotional for me. There was a lot more emotional involvement than what I get with something like Saw. What did you think? Uh, I started to say, for the record, I also would not put it in that category of torture porn because uh, there's really an emptiness to all those movies. Uh, even though I enjoy some, I'm not as anti-torture porn films as you guys are. I really enjoy the hostile movies for sure. Uh, I didn't like the Saw movies because I don't think they're very well made. Uh, but uh, no, I don't think – I think this film had – you know, I think the film earned its violence a little more. Right? Mm. It, 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 its violence isn't just – you know. Uh, a, a tool to titillate the audience or anything. Uh, they these kids, this crazy one, crazy kid, a psychologically disturbed kid, uh, you know, believes he's trying to find his mother. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're, 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 it's not an evil person doing something just to, you know, just to be doing it. And it's not someone with a misguided sense of you know fixing society or any of the stuff that happens in the torture point movies i think one of the more violent scenes was stuff that was off camera too i mean you know like when when she took him into the bathroom and was forbidding him from talking to her bro- uh, to his brother you know i think it she, wasn't she hitting him i mean isn't yeah. that an impression you got oh yeah and you're not actually seeing a lot of that i as i recall no, but isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I mean, she it sounded like she was slapping, right. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. she was slapping him. The 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 camera shields us from that, mm-hmm. but has no problem showing us gluing his, the mouth shut yeah. and uh, cutting open the mouth. That's interesting. Yeah. You know. And I I think that's a artistic touch, you know, why not go ahead and take us in the room and show us her beating the crap out of him. Well, there's something about but, there's something about violence towards kids. Not mm-hmm. not being on the on the screen, you know. There'll be there'll be movies where children get killed, but it's rare where you see a child getting brutalized on screen. I think, at least in my experience. Oh, that's interesting. Are you suggesting it's it's not part of the art, but it's more part of a they don't want to get hammered by? Well, I I don't know. It's almost like that's one taboo. You still that still seems to exist. And if it were torture porn, if they were just trying to shock, if they were just trying to be uh, to gross us out or to repulse us, then hey, why not show it? Mm-hmm. So, what about the very very ending mm. that we haven't talked about? Yeah. Um, so the mom burns. You know, to death. We don't really know exactly where Elias goes. We assume 
did he call the fire department? Did they just see smoke? Is he hiding in the? We don't know. Or did he die? He's he's or did he's he also die? Dead yeah. uh, was my assumption. D- died in the house died fire. In the house fire, right? Because they're all together okay. and happy, right? At the okay, end. so you see that as just like a whatever, uh, a, a ghostly spiritual kind of everything's okay now. <laughs> in That's the possible way, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I took it. That at the very, very end, where you see the family reunited and they're kind of happy, I, I, that made me think that the that that Elias must have died in the fire as well. But it doesn't say. I mean, the movie isn't clear. It is ambiguous about it. Hmm. This is a real, real uplifting movie. <laughs> 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 but there, there is something beautiful about it. you know even in all the horror you know there is something uh, for me again it comes back to that moment where she reaches out of course she knows she's good she believes she's gonna die but where she just simply is a mom again and says look I'll play along you know it wasn't your fault there was just something about that moment that that struck me as kind of beautiful yeah, you you get the idea that she's tried everything. You know, she tried playing mm-hmm. along and and maybe got advice that that was the wrong thing to do and to be stern and to nip it in the bud. And she was attempting that, and it's gone horribly wrong, right? So uh, <laughs> she she ends up in that in that reading of the movie, she ends up more sympathetic uh, than you could ever imagine her being as the film plays out. Yeah. What about you, Phil? What did you think happened at the end? I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. I um, it seemed like Elias was backing away, you know, from the fire and getting away from the fire, and it seemed like he would have had more than enough time, space, opportunity to just simply walk out the door. So, is he a martyr? I mean, did he? purposely burn up who purposely burns up you know nobody does that so did he go end his life some somehow i don't know it just seems hard to believe that he would just stand around and get burned up i wonder how different is it if he's if he is just there alive in delusion on thinks he has his mom and his brother again uh or if he's if it's all just a you know, cinematic imagination of it, it's a pretty awful ending regardless, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. it's an awful ending with a beautiful image, right? The mother looking gorgeous, backlit by the sun, her two children perfect and happy, smiling. They're all smiling, right? Uh, so it's, mm-hmm. just, it's this almost angelic image, but it's the most tragic and awful that's it, a great contradiction between the, you know, the, the image and, and what it actually means. Well, and it may be the only time in the film that they really have a full-fledged smile on their face. Like you were saying, Danny, it's, a, it's an emotionless film in some ways. Even when she first returns home, you know, before there's anything weird, besides the fact she has bandages on her face. They don't go running up to her. They don't hug her. They don't say, hey – Mom, we're glad you're home. You know, we've been here by ourselves. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's nothing like that. It's just been like it's just like deadpan. Even the way they talk to the the Red Cross who shows up, yeah, and, and things like that is just completely emotionless. Yeah, they don't seem to have any idea how real people act. Yeah, that's a good way to put uh, it. But there's just a, the weird thing is, even when the boys by themselves are interacting, uh, they 
don't seem to be having a lot of joy in their play. But there's just a couple of scenes, like when they're hitting each other in the bathtub, that they're smiling mm-hmm. at each other. But the rest of the time when they're playing, like in the catacombs, of course they're jumping around on skulls and bones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. They don't seem to be enjoying it at all. Well, there was the scene where they were sitting together having a belching contest. That seemed yeah. that seemed pretty realistic to me. Right, that's about a couple of boys. Yeah, jump the trampoline in the rain and that kind of stuff. True. Yeah, there's True. a handful, Pretty but uh, like especially that opening montage with uh, with all of the uh, the play that ends with him, you know, under the water. Uh, they don't really seem to be having fun with their play. They just are going through the motions. Well, what I love is the first time they tie her up is. They decide, you know, just for kicks here and, and, and just to really freak our mom out, let's wear these whacked out masks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they just take them off and they, you never see them again the rest of the movie. And that was just cool. Yeah, it, it, that, those masks kind of messed me up a little bit. And guess what? Uh, that's another clue, right? Because she knows who's behind the mask. She starts talking to one of them, right? She, so she shouldn't be able to tell which one was which behind the mask, but of course she knows because there's actually only one person standing there. Yeah, yeah, good point. Right, right. Which goes back, she never misnames. Yeah, she never misnames either of them. So, well, anything else? I mean, this was definitely an amazing movie to dissect and kind of flesh out. It. It's there's still questions, you know, and maybe that's part of the whole point is you've got some good ideas about what may have happened, but you're still not sure. And that's just the way it leaves it. Yeah, I recommend it. I think it was artfully done. Um, I, I think it's got some some even in all the ugliness, I think it has hints of beauty in there. And um, it's not a not a cheerful film, but I, I think it's definitely uh, something if you like horror films, I think you might want to give this one a go too. Uh, what's the uh, the grammatical term, the uh, literary term, uh, the latote? Uh, that was a really good one. A massive understatement. It's not a cheerful film. You say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. This ain't. Yeah, it, it is not a cheerful film, and I don't know. I don't know if I see the beauty in it either. But uh, I, it's. I think it's really, really brilliant filmmaking. And I got excited enough talking about it that I knocked over my drink here. So, uh, yeah, the uh, I, I did. I found the film to be, uh, you know, really worthy of uh, of study and discussion. And um, I would. Re- I'd recommend it to anyone. I, I wouldn't say that anyone's going to enjoy it though. Mm. I think for me, this is a hard movie to recommend. I think you have to know, not because it's not good, I just think you really have to know the person to whom you are recommending this movie. I mean, someone who just may enjoy a thriller or or enjoy the horror genre, what does that even mean? You know, somebody who might like a, uh, a, a slasher or even a supernatural, this film is not going to appeal to everyone, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And not only is it disturbing, but just... The imagery. There's nothing more. What, what does Norman Bates say? You know, a, a boy's best friend yeah. is his is his mom. Right. And there's something very special about the relationship between a child and a mom. And this movie just completely destroys that. Uh, but at the end, Scott, especially for you, it seems like at the end, 
you found some touching moments there at the end where she kind of comes back to that role. I, that's how I took it is that, that she, there was just this moment of, of maternal love and understanding that just, it was brief, but, um, you know, and it, and it helped me, I don't know, for, for, it helped me make sense of some of her other behavior that I before thought was just totally cold and cruel. Now I'm understand. oh, she's grieving. Oh, you know, now I understand a little more about why she was behaving the way she was. And I don't know. Yeah, both it, grieving and trying to fix her other son, your remaining son, mm-hmm. save yeah. him. Yeah. Well, that's good night, mommy. So I'm sure after listening to this, you're going to run straight to Amazon Prime and watch it. <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> yeah, um, this was this was a lot of fun. It's good to be back, you know, with all three of us here podcasting and talking about horror movies for theblackesteyes.com. So the next movie we're going to talk about, we think, is going to be It Follows. Right? Hey, sounds, sounds great, great to and, me. Yeah, love it. So maybe we can do that next week and be ready to roll. Scott, Danny, thanks a lot for the great insight as always. And this is Philip saying good night from the Blackest Eyes. Mm-hmm.